everyone, welcome back in another episode of the Wobcast 2.0. It's yours truly, Wobby, here ready to talk Vikings football, National Football League headlines, Senior Bowl, Super Bowl, all sorts of things. Lots to get to on today's show to help me break it all down and discuss is my partner and co-host, it's Giles. How's it going, partner? Hey, hey, uh, glad to be back in the snowy states of Minnesota, right? Yeah. Uh, had a great time in Cabo last week, like to, to tune in uh, to the Wobcast coming from the, the beach side, essentially. Right. Uh, but good to be back here in Minnesota, although I got to rub shoulders with some awesome NFL personalities, got to hang out with Charlie Jones. He's a receiver from the Bengals. He had oh, a lot yeah. of inside, unique insights into uh, the Bengals room, the wide receiver room. So maybe that can factor into our conversation today. Uh, didn't get to spend a ton of time with him, but Bruce Arians was uh, on location, so we got to rub shoulders with the uh, the elite, we'll call them. Uh, nice. LeBlanc in Cabo, Mexico was just a phenomenal time, but glad to be back. Now, I got to say, I don't know that I've met Bruce Arians in my time in the league. Obviously, I've been around him, you know, combine and owners meetings and games. I don't think I've ever met him, but I, I have to say my perception of Bruce is that'd be... A, a damn good one to share some cocktails with uh, at a resort, relax, kicking your feet up. I think he'd be a good one. So I will say we were obviously down there for a full week. So my skin was looking real burnt. Even my lips are burnt from that experience. <laughs> and him and I were the same color. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, he's always seemed like a great guy. No risk it, no biscuit was the uh, saying he was always attributed with, you know, he didn't, wasn't afraid to put the ball in the air and go for it on fourth down was in charge of a lot of really successful high-powered offenses, worked with some great quarterbacks, Ben Roethlisberger, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. I mean, you talk about a guy who could write a book. Uh, Bruce Arians yep. would be that guy, you know, so pretty cool. Yep, the famous Jamison Win- Winston yeah. season where 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the uh, new meaning to 30 for 30, right? Yeah, so. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, man, that's fun. Well, hey, um, I got some other uh, NFL um, dignitaries that I want to talk to you about, um, Giles, in this show, uh, including Jerry Jones, Bill Belichick, Mike McCarthy, Jared Allen, and the Super Bowl matchup, Kirk Cousins among, among them. We'll get to all of that, but uh, let's start out. With some Vikings news, Giles, and I don't know if you've caught this or not. I know you're trying to unbury yourself from being gone for a week, but did you see our favorite tight end had ACL surgery and it looks like it went okay and he's officially on the mend? Yeah, no, 100%. I saw that uh, finally his MCL, from the way I understand it, his MCL had finally... Uh, got to a place where they could have surgery on it because MCL will naturally heal, ACL will not. So they wanted to wait until his MCL was in a proper place and then actually go attack the ACL with some surgery. So um, obviously a big piece of news that we've been waiting for for a while because as we fast forward the clock, 2024 season is not too far out, which you know brings joy to my face, honestly. But at the end of the day, the closer we get to that without a surgery, I was getting a little bit antsy. So really excited to see that he got under the knife and got that that thing fixed. But at the yep. end of the day, I don't believe he'll be starting in 2024 at the beginning of the season. And that's what I wanted to bring up with you, Giles. This was the subject of our – we talked about this in – as part of one of our surprising takeaways when I said, I think wide receiver is a need this off season. Mm -hmm. And then I actually made it the subject of a thought of the day while you were out. And I I know people even commented on, on our YouTube uh, account and I'm sure even just said it to themselves without letting us know. They probably disagree with that. They probably look at this roster and see other needs that they hope are addressed edge rusher, cornerback, running back, interior offensive line, what whatever it may be. 
But you're right, Giles. This is going to bleed into the start of the regular season. I mean, he's not going to be a part of offseason program for sure. I, I doubt he'll be ready for mini camp in June. And I don't know how much training camp he'll participate in. I mean, we know how these ACLs go. Even when you are back, you're not really back yet. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It takes a, a little while. So this is not you know, just a run-of-the-mill tight end or a wide receiver three. I mean, this is your second-best option in your offense um, that you have to replace. So I I think it it absolutely is worth discussing how to do that. Mm -hmm. And and there are multiple ways you can go about it. I I think, though, Giles, it's a priority. I think a pass catcher, whether it's a wide receiver or a tight end, a pass catcher is a need this offseason. And I defined need as a top 100 pick okay. or a priority free agent signing, like a first day, first day free agent signing. Yep. Or, you know, you trade for another team starter. Like to yep. me, that's what this is. And if you don't do that, I think you're at a big disadvantage when the season starts. And there are a lot of names that would fall into those three categories. To me, it should be a wide receiver, not a tight end. Okay. But it could be a tight end. But I think it should be a wide receiver. But I think it's yep. a big need, Giles. I think it's, it, and and the reason is is this is who you are as a franchise. You have an offensive minded head coach who used to play quarterback and calls your plays. You'll mm-hmm. probably have Kirk Cousins back. You do have Justin Jefferson. You have Jordan Addison. This is you. Like you have to be good at what you do, and this Which is, is what the Vikings do. They pass the ball. So. That's sort of my viewpoint on it, Giles, and I've done enough talking on it, I guess. I'd like to know kind of where you sit with all of that. Yeah, 100%. I was going to list that those two reasons. The first one definitely being that we are a pass-first scheme, and I think yeah. we are pass-first scheme in a heavy way. And if you yeah. can't pass the ball and have legitimate options, your entire offense is going to fall apart. So unless you plan on changing your entire offense, which I don't believe to be the case this offseason, you need legitimate options to be able to do a one-two punch. They take JJ away. How are you going to counterpunch? And I don't think you can just counterpunch with one option. You need at least two solid options. I think JJ, I'm sorry, uh, Jordan Addison will take a kind of a, a next step up he'll emerge into his second year but you really do need a next best option now i believe josh oliver is one of the best tight ends in the league um he actually had a pretty good receiving year uh when you look at the 2023 season he had an 84.7 receiving or uh, reception rate so that's that's pretty darn good for a for a, a tight end however you know i don't expect him to be the the full load of, of what we would bring into the pass offense but more importantly i think people forget the the beginning of 2023 we really struggled. Obviously, we went Owen a million for the first yeah. bit of the season. And I yeah. contribute a lot of that beyond the, the fumbles and the turnovers to be timing. When you look at TJ Hawkins, and he missed all of training camp due to a knee injury, we'll call it. Uh, yeah. Call that whatever you want to say. Some people think it's yeah. a contract issue. Some people thought it was a knee. But at the end of the day, he did miss uh, the entire offseason program. And when yeah. it came to tight end screens and all the different plays, it was clear they had not nailed down their timing. So whether Kirk Cousins is under center or you have a rookie quarterback or you get a different bridge guy, I think we both agree that it'll be Kirk. But if it's not, regardless of who is under center, you need to be able to nail timing. And clearly, I mean, TJ, even if he has a phenomenal uh, recovery and, and goes at hyperspeed, he will not be ready for the offseason program and will not participate. So you will not have that chance to get the timing right. And it's clear throughout the first five games of this season, timing was off. 
and he was meant to be your wide receiver too, really. And if yeah. we don't replace him, I think we're going to have another struggle to our season. And if you do re-sign Kirk to anything more than a year or two, I think that's an indication to the rest of the world that they think that they're in a win-now window. And if you're really in a win-now window, you cannot survive getting it together over five games. You need to be able to yeah. start, hard, or, uh, start hot. And I think that's required. And I think it starts at a, a pass catcher, 100%. Yeah, yeah. All right, so let's just one, let's just go to one more sub point here, and then we'll move on to the next thing. Okay. I, I know that in today's NFL, the way that coordinators and play callers and play designers can can work with tight ends, you can mm-hmm. get really productive players at that position who can catch passes. It's almost like another receiver on the field, right? I mean, yeah. George Kittle, T.J. Hawkinson, Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey. So the problem I would have with that is if they went that route. Like, let's say it just was, you know, I don't know a, a prominent tight end who's a free agent, but just for a name, like, let's say they signed like a, when Zach Ertz was in his prime, they got a Zach Ertz type guy. Mm-hmm. The issue I see there is Hawkinson is coming back. So when mm-hmm. he is back, now what happens there? You know, because, oh, great, we can play with two tight ends. Okay, well, that's awesome. But Josh Oliver just whoops people's ass on a, play in and play out basis so if you're gonna Mm -hmm. put that new tight end on the field at the same time as Hawkinson where's when's Oliver gonna play because I think if you're taking Oliver out of the mix you know Mm -hmm. you're hurting yourself so I I think it just disrupts that room too much Mm -hmm. if it's a tight end now I'll take a tight end over nothing but like a Hunter Henry or a Dalton Schultz or something but they'd be a pretty price tag for sure yep yep those are two exact examples. Like that's the type of player I'm talking about. So it'd be great if, you know, let's say you knew Hawkinson was out for the whole year. Great option to go and get that guy. But Hawkinson mm-hmm. is coming back. So I think it needs to be a receiver because even when Hawkinson is back and is fully healthy and is getting his target share, that receiver that you went out and got is still in the mix. Mm-hmm. The same amount. Maybe target share goes down a little bit, but is still – running the same number of plays. So it's got to be a guy equal to or better than Jordan Addison. And if it's equal to Jordan Addison, you basically have 2A and 2B. If it's someone Mm -hmm. better than Jordan Addison, you've got a legit number two, and Addison is one of the best threes in the NFL. So I'm talking T. Higgins, Michael Thomas, Mike Evans, Curtis Samuel, someone like this. Now, there's a pretty wide range there. Like I would say that... T. Higgins and Mike Evans are very high end. Curtis Samuel is a clear step back. But Curtis mm-hmm. Samuel, to me, gets up to the level of, of productivity that, that you need to replace T.J. Hawkinson with. So I think it's got to be a receiver. Now, if it's a, a draft pick, it's got to be in the top 100. It's got to be a, a plug-and-play guy. It's got to be a Jordan Addison who came in here, had an off-season program, a training camp, and was good to go. You know, um, it can't be a, a fifth round guy like a Stefan Diggs who took uh, quite a while to get onto the field. Now, once he was on the field, he was a stud, but it took him a while to get there. So yep. um, I think it's got to be a wide receiver. I think it's got to be a big price guy. And Giles, I think this knocks down a peg or two another position that you were going to address in this manner. And I know that hurts and that stinks, but. I think you're cutting your nose to spite your face if you don't do it. Like, oh, great, you went and got an awesome corner. That's really good. But guess what? You can't score any points because you don't have a wide receiver too. You know what I mean? Yep. So yep, you got to be able to knocks, put points on the board. Yeah, it does. So, And it doesn't matter to me which one it knocks down. Like, I think we've we've talked about this enough, right? Interior offensive line, you probably need a left guard and or a center. 
I think you could use another corner. I think you need a starting edge rusher. And I think you got to do something at running back at RB2. One of those takes a hit. One of those gets bumped down. Um, but I think I think for good reason. Um, you know, maybe we spend some time over the next few episodes taking a look at some wide receivers who are set to hit the market. We've talked, we talked a lot about T. Higgins last year as a trade target. Maybe that's pie in the sky. I don't know. But Curtis Samuel's a free agent. How about him? He'd look good. I think Kevin O'Connell could figure out how to use him, don't you think? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, honestly, there's a lot of good options, and we can explore them all later, but even Michael Pittman Jr., he had almost 1,000 yeah. yards this season, and he's going to be turning 27 years old. He only costs like $2.1 million this year, so not to say he'll be cheap. I think you could get him on the cheap. Uh, that could be an option. But throwing out a, a hypothetical, because uh, very different in age, would you rather, for the same price tag, have T. Higgins, who is significantly younger, or Mike Evans? Hmm. That's a good one, man. Um, cause Mike Evans will be turning 31 years old, which is getting close to a shelf, but he's been Mr. Consistent up until this point in his career. Man. Like, <laughs> for the Vikings, I think you'd rather have T Higgins. Okay. Fair enough. Comes from the, the Bengals philosophy. I mean, similarities to Joe Burrow. I mean, Charlie Jones, who I was connecting with in Cabo, had a lot of great things about T. He's apparently a really guy inside the locker room. So, I mean, I could get on board with that all day long. Um, there's a part of me that thinks that there's more volatility with Higgins um, versus Mike Evans is going to, like, clockwork at you a 1,000 yards. Uh, but I think the versatility than what you get uh, with T. Higgins might be something more you can do with, with Kevin O'Connell. Yeah. So here's my thinking on that. And and what you just asked, the answer I provided you was truly my instinct, just my mm-hmm. gut. Yep. Because with Mike Evans, who I think historically, when all is said and done and both T. Higgins and Mike Evans are done playing mm-hmm. and we look back on their careers, to me, I'm quite confident that Mike Evans will have had the better career. So it's funny to sit here and say, well, right now I'd rather have T. Higgins for the Vikings than Mike Evans. Well, the reason for that is I believe that if Mike Evans was here, I think his target share would be huge and Mm -hmm. you'd have a hard time keeping both him and J.J. happy. Whereas if T. Higgins comes here and you go through a four-game stretch where you didn't throw T. Higgins the ball very much, I think that's okay because you're coming back to him eventually – and it's a three, four, five-year deal with T. Higgins. Whereas with Mike Evans, it's a one- or two-year deal probably. And you go four or five games with only four or five targets a game, Mike Evans is like, what What am I even doing here? So That is a great point. That's kind of where I sit there. Um, now, another team, I always thought Mike Evans was I, – I would – I swear – the last few years that Belichick was in New England, I bet you he was thinking about Mike Evans. Like, how do I get Mike Evans here? You know, because mm-hmm. they had no other receivers and they could throw Mike Evans 20 targets a game and mm-hmm. no one's feelings would get hurt. So Correct. that yeah. would be a better fit over there. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so there are some teams I think who would take Evans over Higgins. The Vikings, though, are a team where I think Higgins is a better fit than Evans. Yep. And uh, you kind of briefly touched on it, but even from a a long-term deal standpoint, that gives you so much more flexibility to push some money into the future because we have a lot of people to pay and there's some very intricate creative financing that's going to have to be involved to get all this stuff said and done by 2024 season starts. So anything you can do to try to manipulate that, so to speak, is helpful. And I think that can be very more intriguing or much more intriguing uh, to have a long-term deal versus a short-term deal with Evans. Yeah. 
Well, one of the one of the players who does need to get, potentially get paid by the Vikings, you referenced that, Giles, that the Vikings have a lot of guys they got to try and throw money at, is the quarterback, Kirk Cousins. So I ask you, what are you thinking? What are you hearing? What are you feeling on Cousins and a possible re-signing? I have a list of teams where, if not Minnesota, then who? I've got a theoretical list in mind, but I want to hear from you, like, what? I know you look at the books and the numbers and the cap and the cash. Can the Vikings do it? Um, It depends on what perspective you're looking at. I mean, which is ultimately the the general manager's job to try to balance, right? Short-term versus long-term. In the short-term, if we are incredibly short-sighted, if we believe 2024 is truly the year to go make a run, and I do mean make a run to the Super Bowl, if you feel like you have the roster when healthy to be able to make a run, you can actually save money in 2024 by re-signing him. Now, as everyone knows, you will have to pay the piper eventually. But if you're looking to get more cap space in 2024, the answer is re-sign Kirk Cousins. Now, I will say I think there's some some mixed uh, reviews and kind of insider stories out there about what Kirk is requesting. Early on, there was kind of a floating rumor that Kirk was looking for a two-year fully guaranteed contract for $50 million, which you and I talked about. We would sign that all day long because... It's not Kirk the player that we have an issue with. It's always been the contract, right? And your ability to put good infrastructure around him. At a $25 million cap hit, at least in in isolation, plus the stuff we've kicked down the road, like we can absolutely play ball with that. Now, in the days past, you know, in days recent, he has now come out and said he's looking for a two-year fully guaranteed contract for $90 million. So uh, a little bit different, but still a lesser contract than what the other big boys are making in the NFL. So not entirely outlandish, but regardless of that scenario, whether it's top end, low end or somewhere in between, I truly think you could still make something work with that. Now, I think the real sticking point here, and I think we've talked about this before, but the the big sticking point is the length of contract because I think Quizzy Adofa the general manager for the Minnesota Vikings, is looking for a one-year fully guaranteed contract with Kirk Cousins because I truly believe until I'm proven wrong here, that he wants to go trade up and get his quarterback. Now, I think a lot of people speculate because they want that to be true. I believe that to be true. I don't actually think this is a hot take here, but I think the quarterbacks in this in this draft aren't really that great, if I'm being completely honest. When I look at them, I view them as lesser than last year's draft. Now, are there some, some that are going to do a great job? I'm sure that's a possibility, but if I were to rank last year's draft and this year's draft, I think this year's draft is lesser than last. If I'm being completely honest now, yeah. I'm not a complete uh, NFL like uh, scouting professional, but that's my opinion. And so when I look at this, I don't I don't want them to do that, actually, based on kind of some scouting that I've seen. I would I would much rather roll with Kirk and, and draft a quarterback next year. But operating with the belief that Quezzy wants to draft a quarterback, I think he wants a one year fully year uh, guaranteed contract with Kirk. So his quarterback Quizzy Dofamensis quarterback can sit underneath Kirk for one year and then in year two actually take field and then get all the cap savings from there. However, Kirk is not dumb. He's clearly a very smart financial mind. He's great at negotiating and recognizes that he's getting up there in age and he wants a two-year guaranteed contract so he's not without a job in his you know, his late 30s. So totally understand his perspective there. So you're moving an immovable, an immovable object uh, you know, in a, an unstoppable force. So I'm really interested to see which one we'll give because uh, if I'm predicting here, now, I could be way off here. I think this is going to be a stalemate here for a hot second. And I think we're going to get closer and closer to draft and free agency is going to hit. And I think Kirk Cousins is going to walk. I really do. Wow. I think I think Quezzy is so in love with trying to get his quarterback that I think he's not going to commit himself to two years and he's going to let Kirk walk in the process. Now, I think you've heard a uh, rumor of this. In last year's draft, 
Quezzy offered up five first-round picks plus Daniil Hunter to the Indianapolis Colts to go up and get Anthony Richardson, and the Colts said no, which is its own conversation onto the side. But the point is, that's a haul. That was more than what was given up for the number one overall pick, right? That's a huge haul, and that shows me that he is willing to get aggressive to go get the guy that he wants. I mean, that seems like such a far-fetched possibility that it can't be true, but maybe it is true. But, Giles, even if that's not true, but the deal was 40% as rich as that, yep. that's still a, a huge still a deal. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. So I think they wanted Anthony Richardson, too, yep. and they didn't get him. And I don't know if it's because they decided it was too rich and they didn't want to go higher or if someone be – I don't know what happened, but I think they wanted yep. him. Um, yep. I think there are quarterbacks that you can draft who benefit more – by playing right away. Yep. Then I think there are quarterbacks who are going to be equally as good or better, but who mm-hmm. need to sit for a year and watch. Yes. And what, you know, it doesn't like CJ Stroud, I think was capable, clearly capable enough and ready to go and play. You know, there's an, a different quarterback who would have the same degree of success in his first year as a starter. If it was just his second year in the league, because he benefited from sitting for a year Nothing wrong with that either. Um, mm-hmm. For Cousins to – like the timing of this is just so interesting though, Giles, because free agency starts like in March, you know, yep. and the draft right is around not, the corner. Yeah, and the draft is not for weeks later, mm-hmm. you know. So you don't know that you're going to be able to get the quarterback you want Yep. when it's time to make the decision on Cousins. Yep. No, there, there's a handful of teams at the most, a handful, but there's really a few teams that I think make some sense for Cousins. Atlanta, Denver, mm-hmm. and Washington all make sense. Spielman and Washington, George Payton's in Denver, both were with the Vikings when they signed Cousins and kept Cousins and kept resigning them and kept resigning them. Mm-hmm. Atlanta, I think, is going to be done with Desmond Ritter, has a new head coach. Yep. Um, so Atlanta, Denver, and Washington make a lot of sense. And who's to say New England, Las Vegas, Pittsburgh, and Arizona wouldn't be interested? Very much so. I mean, and I've heard this rumor. I don't actually believe this to be true, but I'll throw it out there anyways. If the 49ers lose during the Super Bowl, and let's say Purdy just cannot perform, which I don't think will be the case, but if it were the case, would he go to the Niners? Because he obviously clearly has a great relationship with their head coach in Shanahan. They've they've been vying for each other since day one, essentially. If there's a reunite uh, scenario there, we'll see. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of options for Kirk and a lot of options for Kirk to get paid. Um, I think the only reason that he would sign here is he doesn't want to move. And when you look at the Atlanta Falcons, his wife is from Atlanta. Her entire family is down there. So I'm guessing in the homeward front, he's getting pushed to move down south. Well, yeah. No, I, I don't disagree with you on that. But, Giles, I think I think he's going to go where he gets paid the most. Mm-hmm. Which I don't think will be the Vikings. What in his background or history can you point to to suggest that he won't just go to wherever he gets paid the most? That That's what he has always done. He, he mm-hmm. And I, I'm not even being critical. He has squeezed every possible penny out of every possible leverage point he's ever had. Mm-hmm. He's maxed out yep. every time. So the only thing I can think of that would get him to come off of that is him being like, I'm 35, 
what, how many years do I have left? If I want to really get this thing done, maybe I got to compromise that mindset of get every penny you can while you can to get to a winning situation. Other than that, nothing suggests that he will give anyone a discount for his services. Yep. I do think you bring up a really interesting point, and I don't know this to be true, but it's it's an interesting point. You know, post-injury, he clearly had a pretty significant traumatic injury. Does that change your mindset at all? And I mean that from the standpoint, like, I mean, he's a, clearly a very mission-driven person. He's very philanthropic behind the scenes. Like, that's a, a big piece of Kirk's personality. Does he take a step back and say, all right, I've, I've made bank more than most people in the NFL in history, right? I think he's maybe one of the fifth highest players in all of NFL history. Yeah. Yeah. Does now making a Super Bowl and winning a Super Bowl take a higher priority in his head? And that, that's a question mark. I don't mean that to be a statement, because if that's the case, I would actually put the Vikings in more of a win now window than a lot of those other teams. Um, when I look at the Falcons now, I mean, if you all of a sudden have stumbled upon a, a great head coach, they do have great weapons. But I think the Vikings are up there with the mo one of the most talented rosters. If you want to go win a Super Bowl, if you're willing to take a discount, this is a team to go win it with. Mm hmm. It is. I agree with that. You're, you're right, guys. Yeah. Like if you if you take the Vikings and just turn them into the Birmingham Bombers, yep. Right, and have Cousins assess the market, he'd be like, "Well, Birmingham, that's a good roster. They don't have a quarterback, <laughs> right? You know, I mean, yep. so yep. yeah." Um, I think it, one other thing that you know, uh, sorry, uh, like one other thing that you might know a little bit more about than I would. Uh, is all the other ancillary things that comes with being a Minnesota Viking that I think a lot of people overlook. And that uh, is kind of an interesting paradigm when you look at people that are so obsessed with making money. They're oftentimes very frugal and very cheap when it comes to things. Even look at, he drives a, a Ford Astro van, like, or whatever <laughs> brand that is. Like, he drives yeah. he drives a van, right? Yeah. Um, he clearly doesn't drive Maseratis and all these nice vehicles. He's a cheap guy. And that's not even meant to be an indictment. He's just... He's not going to go spend money on a lot of things. Does the weight of what the Minnesota Vikings provide off the field weigh into his decision in the idea that they provide free meals? They provide all these other support mechanisms that make it great to be on site in Egan that the Vikings simply just pay for. Does that cheap element of him come out and say, you know what, if I go to the Falcons, I'm going to pay for my meals. I don't want to do that. Now, that's an emotional decision, to be very clear. But oftentimes yeah. people make very emotional decisions when being cheap. I, yeah, you're right. They do. I don't think so, though. I don't. I don't okay. think. I don't think so because what I think he would find, and he's only been to two organizations, but, and I've only been to one, but I think what you would find is there is variance in how organizations are run, but mm -hmm. for the touch points of the NFL player, I think it's fairly standard. Okay, so that's fair. Where I'm going with that is like the meals. It's yep. probably the same no matter what facility you go to if you are a player or coach. Now, as a staff member with the Vikings, I got three meals a day. As long as I was at work, yep. you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner is provided there, and I, I would eat them. Now, for lunch, it, it was like you come whenever you can eat lunch. Now, for dinner, it was more like players and coaches only. Come later if they're – and you guys can – you can eat. You're working. You can eat, but let the players and coaches go through first. But breakfast and lunch, it was come and eat, you know. So yep. now that that's how the Wills ran it. Another team might run it differently, but I don't mm -hmm. think Cousins is swayed by that because he's obviously a player. So I think it would be fairly standard for him no matter where he looked. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but you are right. Uh, the frugal nature, you know, and, and I also think Kirk doesn't shy away. Like he's a person, like I'm mm -hmm. a real person. I'm a, with a family. So some of those things might 
resonate with him more than maybe some other players. At the end of the day, yep. though, Giles, I think he's going to go to wherever, whoever pays him the most money. Yep. Now, you're saying you don't think it's going to be Minnesota. He's going to end up walking. I think that's a really interesting uh, prediction that could turn out to be true. Um, and that would really change the landscape in the league. It would change things drastically for the Vikings, and then it would change things drastically for whoever he goes to. Because whoever he goes to will become a legitimate high-end contender. And they probably weren't before he came there. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not going to – now, he could go to San Francisco, and I'd be wrong about that. Already a legit contender, right? But, like, he goes to the teams I mentioned, Atlanta, Denver, and Washington. None of the – no one is going to predict any of those teams to finish in first place in their division. Unless Until they sign Kirk up. Cousins, then they might. Yes. You know? Yeah. Interesting. Well, I have it a instantly we'll, raises your floor. Yes, it does. I have a feeling we'll be talking about this one in um, another episode here. As this is not ending in the next week. We'll be uh, continuing to talk about this, I am sure. Um, I remember Super Bowl week when Minnesota hosted it was the time Kirk Cousins was going on his free agency tour and seeing where he would end up. And he ended up in Minnesota and, you know, who knows, he may end up doing the same thing this year, uh, Super Bowl week in Las Vegas. Wouldn't that be interesting? So um, honestly, they could use a quarterback. Yeah, they could. Yeah. New coach. Well, semi new coach. He was with the team last year, but, um, you know, I don't know. He needs a defensive guy, so they need someone that can kind of solidify the offense. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, yeah. I sent, you know, you and I went back and forth on, you know, when we're going to record what we're going to talk about. I'm throwing one in that we didn't pre-discuss because All right. literally I was, my jaw was almost hitting the floor when I was reading this. Okay, hit me with it. Did you see what Jerry Jones said about Bill Belichick down at the Senior Bowl? No. It's happening right now, but what happened? I'm going to read it. The oh headline boy, I'm is, getting very intrigued. <laughs> the headline is, Cowboys Jerry Jones. No doubt I could work with Bill Belichick. I know him personally, and I like him. There's no doubt in my mind we could work together. None. About Mike McCarthy, I thought we made a pretty good move four years ago when we hired Mike McCarthy, and he's had some great in-season success. Now he's come up short three times and advanced us in the playoff, but I like the fact that he's hanging around the rim, and I like what the team has done to hang around the rim. So I think what the answer that I would have is that I'm aware that we're hanging around the rim. He goes on to say, the thing about Belichick that I already said, that he can see himself being able to work with Bill Belichick. There's no doubt in my mind we could work together, none. I, I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, if you're Mike McCarthy and you read that, what are you thinking? Because you've already been publicly affirmed as coming back, but yeah. after a comment like that, I feel like, oh, that got deleted. Uh, I mean, is there any chance that Belichick comes in as a general manager personality as Jerry Jones is getting older? Uh, and having more player personnel uh, I don't influence. think so, Giles. I, don't I, I wouldn't so think so either. I think Belichick wants to be on the field. Yeah. Well, and also Jerry Jones's family and sons will do that. No, I am shocked at this. Um, 
So There's you know always... Jerry Jones is a, a pretty eccentric personality in the NFL. And I mean that in all positive ways even, not even negative. Yeah. Is there a chance that he tries to make this uh, a little bit of a, a, a dynamic shifter and said, hey, Mike McCarthy, you're going to be head coach of the offense and Belichick is coming in to be head coach of the defense and you guys just need to share the podium? Like, is there like, so, it, would he do something weird like that? I don't know. There, so you, you, you kind of got close to one of what I think it is. I don't think it's this, but those comments are like the comments that you would make if you wanted the other guy to leave. So you didn't have to fire him. So like yes. you say something that where he's just like, oh, I'm out of here. Forget we, we mutually agreed me? to part ways. Right. Yeah. I don't think it's that. But what I'm wondering is, at a minimum, he's planting the seed in Belichick's mind that I'll hi- this is do or die for McCarthy. If not him, I'm going to hire you. So so don't don't take another job. Don't take another yeah. job because I'm going to hire you next year. Yeah. Or, you know, if Dan Quinn leaves and gets a head coaching job, they'd have a DC opening, right? So yeah. Now, because Dan Mike, Quinn is still under the under speculation, right, for head coach? He is. Now, there's only one job left, I believe, uh, because the Seahawks hired Mike McDonald, the Ravens' defensive coordinator. So I thought that was yes. Dan Quinn's job for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now there's still only one job that's open. But um, And if Quinn doesn't get it, he's going to stay in Dallas. But I just couldn't believe it. I mean, I couldn't believe that that quote. That's a bold statement. Unreal. That, that yeah. sends so many messages to so many parties. Yeah. I, I also, I mean, if he doesn't actually pull the trigger and get Belichick in the building, that creates a little instability even. Like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't know. That's interesting. Strange. All right. Um, let's move on to Jared Allen. Another subject of a thought of the day while you were gone. Finalist to go into the Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2024. Giles, I dug into this quite a bit uh, while you were gone and researched it for the thought of the day. And, um, you know, I qualified the opinion by saying, you know, I was there for 15 years. Mm-hmm. I grew up here. Like, of course I want him to get in. You know, I, he's a Viking. You want your he's a freight team. train. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you want your guys to go in, right? As a Vikings yeah. fan, of course you should go in. Like Vikings fans think Jim Marshall should go in and Joey Browner and Chuck Foreman. And they can't all get in guys, but I know you want them to get in, but they can't all get in. And any Viking who is a candidate to go in the Hall of Fame is someone that I know because <clears throat> I was there for 15 years. So, mm-hmm. and there's no one that I would root against getting in who is a former Viking. So, of course, I hope he gets in. But I'm able to set that aside and independently assess if I think he should get in or not. And when I do that, I think he should get in. I think Jared Allen should be a Hall of Famer. Um, and I went through that over you know, in a thought of the day, which um, you, you obviously took time to to watch and listen to because you you put it up. So I wanted to know your thoughts, though, on it. Um, am I just Minnesota prisoner of the moment person? And like, do you draw the line at Jared Allen? Because there's guys, everyone, as I said, in the thought of the day, everyone ahead of him on the sack list is in or is a finalist and will get in. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you don't, think he should get in you're drawing a line right there that's the number 136 sacks doesn't get in yep 
I think anyone that's claiming that you are being a homer clearly doesn't pay attention to the details. They just think, well, because the Vikings haven't won a Super Bowl, I'm going to automatically write you off. I think they're not actually looking to the production. Now, I do think that is a valuable part of the conversation, but clearly from a sheer vacuum lensed uh, viewpoint, he should get in. His production has clearly yielded him a podium spot. Like he, he should get a mold. He should be on, uh, you know, display a cat the only reason not to, and I and I don't know if I have a firm position on this, I could be convinced on or off this, should be actual championship wins. Now, like when you look at the production, like he's the guy, right? Now, if you need to say, hey, you need a production and a championship in order to be considered for Hall of Fame, I can hear that conversation. But the thing is, he had that production across a lot of different teams. It's not like he was just a Minnesota Viking although we would love to just view him in that memory. But at the end of the day, he had that production everywhere. And I think it's, it's, it's hall of fame level quality. I mean, he was Mr. Freight train. He was going to go put you flat on your back as a quarterback. Yeah. I mean, and and it happened over a long period of time, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. seven straight seasons of double digit sacks, 136 Mm -hmm. for his career, led the Mm -hmm. league in sacks twice, had mm-hmm. 43 sacks in his first four seasons and then 83 in his next six. Okay. So mm-hmm. the production and dominance was there over a span of time, but also mm-hmm. he would have individual games where he would just take over like three yeah. sacks in a game, four sacks in a game. You know what I mean? He mm-hmm. would score touchdowns. He was the, he's tied for the career lead in safeties. Like, yep. He impacted individual games, won games for you. And then he dominated over a long period of time. He was a great personality. He had the mullet and the attitude. And the I just, like, the Hall of Fame is a great place with or without Jared Allen. But the Hall yep. of Fame is enhanced by having Jared Allen in there. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, it's he's performance a and the personality. Yeah. And there's this old story that, when the lights go out in the Hall of Fame and it's closed for the day that the busts all talk to each other, you know? <laughs> and, like, obviously that's a myth. But in that, like, imagine that was real. Like, that room is a better room with Jared Allen in there talking. Absolutely. It might you know not, I mean? uh, not only improve the room, but, like, lead the room in personality. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. like, he's not a, a um, sore thumb uh, when it comes to performance, but definitely could lead that group personality-wise. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Needless to say, we're on the same page here on this one, it sounds like. I mean, I, I think he yep. should get in four times. Send him to fin- camp. Yeah, four times eligible, four times a finalist. Get him in. Uh, we'll find out on February 8th. Uh, I certainly think he should get in, though. So, uh, crossing my fingers for, for Jared. All right, last one, and then we'll get everyone out of here, guys. Um, Super Bowl matchup, obviously, Niners and Chiefs in Las Vegas for the Super Bowl. I'm sure you had your eyes on those conference championship games. The uh, second one was a little bit more entertaining than the first, although I found it interesting that Baltimore shut out Kansas City in the second half. But Kansas City Mm -hmm. gets in, and then we had a little barn burner uh, with San Francisco and Detroit, where Detroit really fumbled away a chance to go to the Super Bowl. So any thoughts on those championship games or on the Super Bowl matchup? Yeah, I mean, hot take, but I think the Ravens and the Lions should be the ones in the Super Bowl right now. Uh, Not only because that's what I thought was going to happen, but also when you look at the play on the field, 
I think both of those teams earned their way in, but they found ways to take it away from themselves. When you look at the Ravens, they had that pretty severe uh, fumble at the goal line, and they had the the um, uh, the taunting penalty that was horrible. Uh, and then um, uh, you know uh, when you had the the interception, like they they threw away the game. They were the dom- more dominant team in my opinion. The Ravens should be going yeah. to the Super Bowl. Um, when you look at the Lions side of the fence. Uh, I really struggle with this because I was in love with his aggressiveness when going on fourth down, but like you, you try to go on fourth down, you didn't get it. And you would have absolutely got a t- uh, a field goal and you would have tied the game. Like the, a much different outcome. Had you just simply kicked the field goal. Um, now I, I do say, you know, when you look at uh, kind of the, the performance metrics of what they were able to achieve for the rest of the year, like I understand Dan Campbell's thought process. Like we were able to convert all year long. Like yeah. we had the most attempts and most conversions fourth down wise. We have the most dominant on offensive line in football. Let's go for it. But clearly that didn't work and that cost them severely. Um, now I do think that they're going to have another dominant year next year. Ben Johnson, their offensive coordinator is back. I think they're going to try to run it back and add even more chess pieces to be able to go be another dominant force. But I do think both of those teams should have been in the Super Bowl. Yeah. So guys, let's talk about the Dan Campbell thing. I think he made the same cocktail of mistakes against San Francisco in the NFC Championship game that he made against the Vikings two years ago at U.S. Bank Stadium. In the NFC Championship game, right before halftime, they had a fourth and goal from like the two or three yard line. Yep. And he got conservative and kicked the field goal. Kicked the field goal. Yep. Okay. In the second half... He had a fourth down in field goal range, and he got aggressive and went for it, right? Yep. <laughs> Against the Vikings two years ago, he was going for it on fourth down all game long, and they were making it. Then mm-hmm. at the end of the game with a lead, they tried that 56-yard field goal. Missed it. Vikings got the ball, drove down, scored, and won. Yep. He he transposed when to be aggressive and when to be conservative he made two mistakes. I think he should have gone for a touchdown at the end of the first half against the Niners. It was yep. 21 to three, I think. And he kicked a yep. field goal to go up 24 to three. Mm-hmm. He should have gone for it there. I, I was saying it in the yep. moment. Yep. They had a momentum to things already. Yep. yep. I get it. You don't make it. You leave, you leave points on the board, but it's three points. And like, you're playing the Niners. <laughs> you like, got to put points on the board. <laughs> like you yes, got to exactly. maximize points. It's exactly a race to right. 30. You, yep. you just made the point for me. Like, really, you yep. think 24 is 24 going to win the game for you? No, no. 24 yep. is not going to win the game for you. Okay. You if you're playing Jim Harbaugh or Shanahan, you know that they're going to adjust. They're the best in-game adjustment coaches in the on yeah. the planet. Yeah. You know that they're going to come back. Yes. And then, you know, I, it. <laughs> I'm I'm a big fourth go for it on fourth down guy. Like, I don't think teams do it enough. But mm-hmm. even I was sitting there in the second half being like, yeah, you probably got a kick here. <laughs> you know, you got to kick that <laughs> yep. field goal right there. And you lost um, by three. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got to kick that field goal right there. But I think the bigger mistake was not going for a touchdown at the end of the first half, man. Field goals I are agree. not going to win this game for you in the first half. You you yep. need points. So, um, especially when the other team hasn't figured you out yet and you're clicking, like take advantage of that because I mean, the, the thing I'm most scared of in life is probably snakes and uh, Kyle Shanahan in the second half. Like yeah. those are the two things I'm most scared of in the entire world. So and, you got to take advantage of the first half when you can. Do you know what happens if you score a touchdown there, Giles, too? Do you know what the score is? 26-3? to three? No, it was 21-3. Oh, I'm sorry. 20, yeah, so then, yeah, you're at 28-3. Kyle Shanahan don't like 
No. That was, <laughs> Specifically. That was the Falcon score when Tom Brady came back on him and Kyle Shanahan was in Atlanta. Okay, 28-3 yep. I think is a good number to be at if you're the Lions. Anyway, That is uh, incredibly intriguing. I didn't think about that. Uh, oh, man, shoulda, woulda, coulda. Uh, yeah. And well, ironically, had the Lions won that game, it would have been the first game of the NFL season and the last game of the NFL season. The Lions kicked things yes. off with the Chiefs. Yeah, that would have been a really intriguing right. storyline. That would have been but, pretty you know, cool, yeah, yeah. There's always oh, next well. year. Well, yeah, we'll have to uh, we'll have to spend more time previewing the Super Bowl next week when we get together and record another episode of the Wobcast 2.0. Um, I kind of tend to lean towards San Francisco in the game, uh, but that's a way too early opinion. For now, I'm leaning San Francisco. How do you lean? Uh, I am leading the same way. When you yeah. when you look at all the different matchups across the board, I think the 49ers are more dominant, especially when it comes to their defensive line. But I guess their defense in general, I think they're going to be able to exploit the uh, Kansas City offense. Now, yeah. I will say Kansas City has the best interior offensive line in the NFL, other than maybe the Lions, uh, but like they have an amazing interior, but the Niners have an amazing defensive line uh, yeah. across the board. I mean, Jahan, uh, Javon Hargrave, he's going to give those guys a run for their money. And I think Travis Kelsey is going to have a tough day against Warner in their linebacker room. So at the end of the day, I think the, the, the Niners definitely have an advantage, especially with all four of their offensive weapon sets healthy. Yep. Yeah. Well, it'll be fun to, to break it down and preview it. And then of course, fun to watch it. So we'll do that all in the next episode of the Wobcast 2.0. For now though, we are done. That's it for this episode. We thank you all for watching and for listening. We encourage you to like, follow and subscribe to Wobcast 2.0, wherever you do that with all your other favorite football content, YouTube, Spotify, Google play, Apple podcasts, all the places, follow us on Instagram and uh, join the conversation. On behalf of Giles, this is Wabi signing off for now. Until next time, Skull Vikings.